So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, I am here with my good buddy and Bizzlecast contributor, Adam Dietz. Dietz, we had a great talk about Star Wars and a fantastic discussion about your music, which we're going to expand into multiple other podcasts, but I really wanted to get this talk we had about The Expanse and the humanism of The Expanse and why it's such a great show and book and property and so relevant and, and so much deeper than it seems on the surface, and we decided to release this one first. So, guys, look out for some more forthcoming podcasts as part of the fifth anniversary of the Bizzlecast, talking about Star Wars and Adam's forthcoming album and the artistic process and him being a musician and all sorts of great stuff. But first, Adam, we are going to talk about The Expanse. So, buddy, I am going to throw it right to you to get this conversation going about what we love about The Expanse. Go ahead. I have a particular affinity for space and just what space is like if it's a pilot game like i'd rather pilot a starfighter than a airplane or a fighter jet i don't know why that is um what i like about the expanse is that where there are other shows in space and happening in space is that the expanse is as best i can tell i mean you know arguably arguably is entirely human and so I like that about the expanse because I think star Trek, I love you. you're tries setting to, this up perfectly. Go ahead. Yeah. The star, star Trek tries to be like otherworldly and tries to have like different alien races, but, and of course, I mean, but it's, it's about humanism. Ultimately yeah, what they share is their humanistic really quickly, dude, just l- let me do my two cents. And then I want you to actually describe the expanse to people who haven't seen it because it's fresher to you. And I want to hear your okay. introduction to it, which is people say, well, why do you like the Witcher, which is so dark, but you don't like game of Thrones. And why do you like the expanse? But you don't like, you know, Westworld. And I say it, it's a difference between humanism and nihilism. Game mm. of Thrones until the last episode is essentially a nihilistic show where you know you're punished for being a good guy and it's not even clear that in this world doing the right doing the a good thing or the right thing is the right thing to do um and what i love about the expanse man is you know our main characters and this goes for the witcher as well um in humanistic what i call dark humanism even battle stars like this which is we have characters who are three-dimensional and they're flawed and they can be violent and mean and make horrible decisions. But in the end, our main heroes in these stories want to try and, as Bobby Draper says a lot in the books, 
if nothing else, I want to die and have the world be a tiny bit better than when I was born. And if I can do that, I'll feel like everything was worth it. And that is, that's the definition of, of, of living humanism. And that's why I like these humanistic shows. I do like scenarios that are dark and apocalyptic like Battlestar and The Expanse, but that have a, a very strong humanistic core. Now, Star Trek goes too far the other way with these sort of utopian dreams. Now, they've tried to address that with Picard, which I haven't seen, no spoilers, and, you know, some um, Discovery to an extent. Even Deep Space Nine dealt with this. Um, you know, the good guys were bad guys in Deep Space Nine a little bit, which was new for Star Trek at the time. Uh, but Next Generation and most of the shows are, you know, these airbrushed utopian visions um, of the future where, where it's an almost unrealistic uh, amount of humanism uh, going on. Whereas I find The Expanse more compelling because it's more gritty and realistic. And, but, but, but when the humanistic goodness comes from the characters, even murderers like Amos Burton or... Um, a character who's been in the show, who's coming back, who's a murderer, who I'm not going to mention, who turns out to be a, 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 a reconciled individual, and some other characters like David Strathairn's character, you can turn it around. And I'm a big believer, dude, that God or whatever will do the ultimate judgment. Um, and I'm, I'm not a forgive and forget guy, and I'm also, not, I'm also a guy who thinks that some people do need to go. Um, and I've been very open about this on the show, and I talk about this in relation to Star Wars, and the reason, one of the reasons Star Wars is so superior to the comic book movies is Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and Luke and the good guys will just straight up kill bad guys when they realize they're genocidal killers, whereas the, the Avengers will let the universe burn before, other than Thor uh, decapitating Thanos, spoiler alert, they will let the universe burn, uh, or in DC's case, they constantly lock up all the bad guys in these bubbles and then they escape, you know? You could kill the Joker and you know he's going to murder people. In Star Wars, they just kill him, and in The Expanse, they do too. But what's the difference, dude, in The Expanse? I'll throw it to you, is Holden and Naomi and the Rosinante and the good guys, and especially Amos, who's looking for killing. But Holden and Naomi, who aren't necessarily looking for killing, but they know they got to take out people sometimes to, for the greater good. Now, that's a moral discussion we may or may not have time or want to do here. But it's all about intent, and it's all about, um, you know not hating, which is the point I'm trying to get to here. That's what humanism is about. Even if you believe that some people need to die in order to save other people, or at least lock them up in order to save other people, hatred, and this goes along with the mental health thing, man, guys, guilt and shame. The other thing, though, the first thing you need to expel if you have it is hate. Hate will do nothing but destroy you from the inside. Guilt and shame is a very personal thing. It can be very tough to untangle. But hatred, even if you're someone who has, you know, hardcore political beliefs <clears throat> in terms of right and wrong, you know, I, I, I'll leave that to you guys. Um, I, 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 you know, I, 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 you see where I'm going with this, though, man, is that... It, yeah, yeah, there, there's a calculus in how you want to deal with with genocidal bad guys is up for debate. But hating them, is, you know, not to mention hating your neighbor is is only going to hurt you. And not only that, it's not going to have you 
think clearly. And that's why Amos Burton, who, who's a murderer, who has a reason to be a murderer, because he grew up as a child sex slave, by the way, which is talked about in the books. I don't know how much they talk about that. In Baltimore, he was basically a child sex slave uh, in Baltimore uh, growing up. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, but he talks about how you know, people are always, he's so protective, especially of women, because he saw the prostitution rings growing up. He's very protective of girls and women, and, and they're always saying, you're such a good guy. And he says, no, I'm terrible. He says, but that's why I hang around people like Holden and Naomi. He says, I hang around them because they're good and they're righteous, and I feel like, you know, I can reclaim part of my humanity. And I think there's something noble about that, you know, even though there's times when, you know, he's come trying to come up with an excuse to kill people, it's, which is why in some ways he, he's the most interesting character from sort of a moral standpoint. Sorry, I threw a lot out there, but we are bridging into the expanse. But would you agree with me that part of what's compelling, other than being awesome space stuff, is the fact that it's humanism, but it, it's morally ambiguous and in a realistic yeah. and dimensional way? That's why I like it. I mean, that's yeah. that you hit on it completely. I mean, the the politics of the Belters and Mars and the United Nations or the, what Earth is, where that 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 is the drama well before going further out into space. So again, that it's all that there's still human drama. I find relieving, and that's the part of Star Trek that I wish was true. That you know, once humans figure out there are other races out in the world that humans all of a sudden magically get along. Like, I really like that that's not the case in the expanse. Um, and that I think there's the quote, um, Marco says, I think Oh, it's Marco. Marco. Oh, so, so okay. Wait, really quick. Deets. So I got in some trouble with my Witcher commentaries because, so if you watch the Witcher, Right, you see this really great-looking male sorcerer Vilgefortz come in to help the women fight in the final battle, and you're like, "Oh, this is the White Knight. This is the male sorcerer. He's great-looking. He's charismatic. They all like him. He's powerful. He's a leader. He's going to come in and save everyone." And then at the end of the battle, he murders a bunch of good guys because he's frustrated. And you're going, "Uh, I got in a little trouble because in the commentaries, I I sort of spilled the beans that he's like one of the big baddies throughout the series." Uh, but I thought that was pretty obvious the way they were setting him up uh, and, and so forth. But Marco, I don't feel bad because they clearly end season four saying the final season Marco's going to be the big baddie. Uh, and the fact that they're both extremely good looking people of color uh, is, is, is charismatic and great, great, great young actors who they found God knows where. Um, as I say, with all these great young people of color actors in The Witcher, man, in The Expanse, Holly, to, to quote, to paraphrase Arrow, Hollywood, you have failed the film industry. Give us these young people of color actors and actresses. They're spectacular. So yeah, Marco. Oh, Marco. Sorry, go ahead. So, so anyway, so Marco says, and I think rightfully says, you know, so there's the, after the ring is open and they can go to these new worlds and there's these new riches and everyone's going to get along now. He says, what the fuck are you guys thinking? Like there's always been enough resources for everybody, but we've never had them the same as everybody else. And I thought that's to me, that's the most pivotal moment in the show that he's right. That yep. Of course, like that's ultimately what humans are is that we are animals. We are very selfish and self-interested and though we have the capacity to identify that and to not act on that, ultimately that's what we 
seem to continue to do and that's what continues to happen in this futuristic world and that is again quote unquote refreshing to me because in these other worlds that we somehow somehow get beyond that and um i don't think that's true and as much as i would like it to be so i'm i really like that about the expanse um i like that it has that grittiness and the politics and uh the darkness um Okay, can I, I just give can I give the rapid two minute summary because I've been doing nothing sure. but this for the last two or three months. I think sure. I can do this really quickly. Okay, it expands a few hundred years in the future. Um, like with Star Trek, the big thing was they they discovered their version of warp drives was called the Epstein drive. Uh, by the way, dude, James Corey, quote unquote, the writer is actually two Jewish guys who who write the book. Uh, yes. hence a lot of Jewish names and characters, but they're super, uh, uh, like, let's put it this way. The, my, all Dude, the, my, Amos, Amos has Hebrew tattooed on him. Yeah, right? I mean, all the, like, there's even more minority stuff going on in the books than, than in the show, or at least as much. Like, they're not... What does Amos have tattooed on his I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to... I'll have It's to, Hebrew something. I'll yeah. He's got Hebrew tattooed on his arm, man. Yeah, because well, he, he's had some interactions with with religious people in the past. Um, so uh-huh. it's a few hundred years in the future. Uh, there's three major factions. There's Earth, who's the most um, powerful on the surface, the most populous. There's the colony of Mars, which they're terraforming. I think Earth has 30 billion people. Uh, Mars has 4 billion. Um, but Mars is very militant, and they have, while well, their fleet is smaller, they have the best Marines and the best ships, even though they have fewer. And so them and, and Earth are always having a, a, a a cold war bordering on a warm war. And then the third are the underclass, you know, the South Americans, Africans, and, and South Asians, essentially, who are the belters who live in the, the Jovian uh, um, microsystem, which are the moons around Jupiter and uh, Saturn, essentially, as well as, you know, space stations they build from scratch, like Tycho and, and Ceres and so forth, which are in Eros, which are, which are major, you know, things in, in the show and they're belters. And there's been enough time passed that the, those three groups based on different gravities actually look different. And so it's hard to do in the TV show, but it's very clear in the books. The belters are like seven feet tall and very, very skinny with long limbs and long fingers and, and toes. Um, and, uh, the Martians also are taller, but because their gravity is closer, uh, they're sort of between the Earthers and the Belters physically, but they train the Marines like Bobby Draper. They train the Marines and they do all of their work in um, either full G or zero G. Why? Because Mars is preparing for an invasion of Earth and or the Belters at any time. And so they need to be able to train to fight in full G- one uh, full gravity on Earth with invasion or with the Belters. And when this, the series starts, uh, the main character's ship blows up, uh, uh, is destroyed apparently by a Martian ship. A few survive, led by James Holden. Uh, you have Naomi Nagata, you have Alex Kamal, and you have Amos Burton, who are the four who survive. They manage conveniently to get a super powerful Martian destroyer, um, which becomes, you know, the Enterprise for them, or the, really more like the Firefly, but actually has weapons, unlike the Firefly, they can defend themselves. Um, and they, James Holden, uh, who's essentially Captain America meets uh, Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, essentially. He's like a pirate Captain America. 
uh, and he uh, manages to constantly start conflicts and wars, not because he wants to, but because these tensions are always simmering to the point of, of starting. And so the Mars Earth War, which is already about to happen, he launches because he broadcasts to the whole universe that Mars just blew up an Earth ship for no reason, leads to a war. And the first few seasons are the Belters, Earthers, and Martians all going at each other, essentially, right, man? With with long tensions. And what you're talking about is the one thing that keeps the Belters relevant is that they provide a lot of the raw materials from asteroids, ice for water. They have Ganymede. They've, you know, they're, they're growing crops on planets. Um, they provide fuel, um, for ships going out to different places. You know, they're like, you know, they're like, um, uh, you know, they're like they're like gypsies mixed with Jews, kind in a way. You know, they're like the trade people, the, you know, the merchant people that everybody needs, but nobody wants to recognize, and, and everyone wants to treat as second or third class citizens. I think they're the proletariat, man. Right, and and Marco, who's uh, uh, uh Marco and Anaros, who's it, it turns out to be the ex of Naomi Nagata, who's the lead female character, and with James Holden, who's the lead male character. Um, and they have a son together, Philip, Filipito, uh, Marco turns out to, um, to be, you know, essentially Che Guevara, but he's actually way more dimensional than Che Guevara in the books, man. And they hint at it in the show. And I think we're really going to get it in the season, in the final season, cause it's all over the books, which is, you know, revolutionaries like Che, other than being, you know, narcissistic egomaniac, um, uh, uh, power hungry, um, uh, you know, want to be revolutionaries in addition to having actual ideals, all of which are true about Marco. But the difference is that when they, uh, when this thing called the, the proto molecule opens up gates to all these other worlds, all of a sudden earth and Mars are like, Hey, we don't need the belters anymore because we're just going to go to these other worlds to get our raw materials. And that has real atmosphere and real gravity. And so we don't need to deal with all this shit. And Marco and some of the more extreme belters who already hate Earth and Mars realize this. And so what makes Marco interesting is he's every bit as narcissistic, megalomaniac, but also charismatic. And, you know, you kind of fall in love with him like characters like Che and fictional versions of that. But his argument is essentially right. In, in the books, and we're going to see James Holden and the smart good guys acknowledge that they're right, the Belters are right to be scared, which complicates the whole situation. And that's what's setting up the final season. Okay, there you go. Nice. So, t- t- give me some takeaways. What, 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 uh, first of all, how, how did you land on it? Um, because I've been posting a lot on the Bizzlecast page. You follow my personal page, which is great. I was reposting some of my Expanse stuff on my personal page because, you know, when I fall in love with something like The Witcher or The Expanse, I tend to repost that on my personal page as well. So my, my, my friends who follow me on my personal page follow it. So how did you uh, come across it? Because this was the perfect time because while the first three seasons were mostly good, it was a little up and down in terms of writing and filming and stuff, even though the books are amazing and the material's there and they had the right actors, but sci-fi was going to drop it because sci-fi always drops their good shows. But luckily there was this huge fan campaign, which was exactly like what happened with Firefly. Now that resulted in a Firefly movie, Serenity. Um, This resulted in Amazon getting it. And dude, when Amazon and Netflix picks up shows 
that are dropped on network or basic cable. Normally, if those shows have potential, like Longmire is an example on Netflix, they go from good to great because not only do they have the money for the production value, but they've got huge amounts of brains when it comes to writing and direction and so forth. So I I think season four is the best by far, not because book four is the best of the first four books. It's not, but because Amazon turned it from a pretty good show with a lot of potential to a really, really, really good show um, that really (laughs) took off, uh, pun sort of intended, uh, in season four. So how did you come across it? Was it because it finally ended up on Prime? I don't know. Like, I think, I think that, I mean, I don't know that I would have, I think it was a confluence of things. I think I, through the ether of, yes, we're Facebook friends, we're friends, like, we like similar things. I think I had heard you mention it, seen you written something about it, maybe you texted me. So there was some level of, like, it was on my consciousness. Um, I think I'd just finished a different show or, like, was looking for a new show. I like space. I like space shows. And so I think I watched an episode. I think I just watched the first one. I was like, oh, like, this is fucking cool. Like, I'm into this. And then that the rest is history. Um, I think I got more and more into it. And then I was definitely in. I think, you know, halfway through season one, I was, there was definitely enough compelling there for me to keep watching it. Whereas I think with other shows, you know, I might like the first episode. I might not. Maybe like the first two. And then it's like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. But I liked that, you know, because their initial crew they're like ice welders or like water ice movers or something like that. Some of those guys died. It was like, great. I'm like, good. And like, there's only four characters there and that they're those characters. Let's be clear. The the four characters luckily are exploring another ship. And then their big ice hauler gets immediately nuked by what turns out to be a rogue Martian uh, warship. Yeah. And so you don't know who's going to be, who's going to last, who's going to stay the characters really are three dimensional. Like you said, like they all grow on you. You know, initially I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like Indian Texan, like pilot dude, my like, favorite what? character, Alex Kamal. Oh, we're going to get that. Yeah, and yeah. he's, he's great. And like, he's really grown on me. Like same with Amos, like who's this fucking meathead, hothead, like dude. And then like surprised by far my favorite character. Like it's not even close. Like who? him and him and Miller, no Amos and Miller, like oh, Miller, my yeah. favorite characters. Like, Oh my god! How um, happy were you when uh, uh, what's that actor's name came back? Miller. Yeah, Thomas Jane. Yeah. When Thomas Jane fantastic. came back, I was like, "Thank God!" I hadn't read the books yet because that's yeah, in the fantastic. books. In the no, books, fantastic. He, yeah, in the books, he comes back. You know, he's he's out at season one, but by the end of uh, sorry, by the end of book two, early book three, he's coming back and haunting um, uh, uh, Holden. Yeah, so I I definitely really like it. Um, I think that, yeah, I think season four, I mean, definitely the filming got better. I think the acting has improved. Um, now you're seeing writing. This is my actor centric thing. It's writing and direction has gotten better. Okay. Yeah. Well, yep. Uh, okay. Yep. Sure. Um, I have to say, cause my, my other contributors criticize me all the time for always defending actors. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it's not a criticism of the acting. I just think it's gotten better. I just think that every, everything has gotten better about the show. Um, you know, they've, they've introduced some bigger name character, like, you know, you know, the dude that was in, um, Batman and, um, who's the bat, you know, kind of the nasty, uh, Colonel, um, in the off world. Like he's yeah. great, great actor. Um, I think I also, what I liked about the show initially to start with is that it was rated mature, that there's going to be 
cursing and I think they use fuck a little bit too much. So, but. well, dude, here's the thing: they had to they had to sort of semi bleep the, all the fucks. Um, which uh, look, Avasar, Sar, uh, Christian Avasarala curses that much in the books, so that's very loyal to the books. The yeah, other characters, she's great. I love her. I mean, well, look, I, really I, quickly, I real a- quick story. So when Amazon bought it, they went back, and it turned out that they had recorded uh, initially. Sci-Fi had recorded them saying fuck and Amazon before they released season four went back and put back all the fucks into seasons one to three. That's an awesome effort, regardless of whether you like it or not. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's right at the tip. It's like, it's enough. Like I like that. It's not for babies and it's not PG 13. It's because they were holding it in for three seasons. And and so they overdid it a little bit uh, because you know, but, but you know, no, no, it's not a criticism. It's, I, I just think that, you know, kind of just to say what I like about the show and why I don't watch some of the other shows that maybe I wouldn't get into is that it's not PG 13. Like it's gritty, like it's dark, like it's violent, like it's bloody, like it's got cussing, like, and I actually, I don't, I like that. There's not like a lot of sex. Like I don't want that. I was just going to say, unlike game of Thrones, no excessive sex, even though they can do it, no excessive, all the violence has a purpose. All the sex has a purpose. A lot of other shows, uh, on uh, on Showtime and HBO, you just go down the list, just throw in as much sex and violence as possible. Yeah, so I, I like the show a lot. It's been really fun. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to keep watching it, and I I'm probably won't read the books. I don't see myself reading the books. You will after next the books season. On tape. You will. Okay. If, if nothing else, you know what I did, man? Um, I actually started with book five. Because I'd seen, hmm. I, I knew that seasons one through four mostly lined up with books one through four. And it turns out books five through eight, I'm not going to say season because supposedly season five is the last one. I hope it's not. Books five through eight are, are better than one through four, not only because the, the characters start getting more developed and the stakes get higher and it gets more like super epic sci-fi, the writers just, you know, get more in a groove. So I actually started five through eight and then I went back and read one through four. And while I really like books one through four, there's some stuff that the show does better in the first four, whereas I can't imagine books five through eight being any better. Uh, and which means the material they're going to have to combine books five and six, which is a two parter for the final season, which is why I think it's going to be a two part season or just an extended season. Um, and they're saying it's the last, even though there is a book seven and eight, which is another two parter. And the final ninth book is coming out this, this year, which they're, they're not going to do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I know that's cheating, but I did five through eight and then I went back and then did one through eight or whatever. Um, and I'm actually, I'm getting very close to doing a season four commentary, um, at, at, at this point. Um, and so in the interest of time, do you mind if I ask you some direct questions about the show? All right. Adam Dietz, so great to have you on. I'm going to ask you a few quick hits about The Expanse. Going to see if you have any other recommendations, Netflix, Amazon, movie, TV, otherwise. Um, and then uh, final thoughts about the music project, when we can look for it, if there's a website or whatever, blah, 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 blah. If you have any self-promotion to do. And um, hopefully it won't be three years until the next time I have you on. <laughs> Deal. Deal. So, okay. Favorite main character of the expanse i'm talking about the big five the four rosinante crew by the way do you know why the ship's called the rosinante yes i was there for that the spanish ex- war horse rosinante is don quixote's horse yes 
And uh, have you heard the uh, Holden mentions this, the term tilting at windmills or chasing yes. windmills? So, you know, the yes. famous Don Quixote scene that even people who haven't read Cervantes knows, you know, that he's constantly looking for enemies, the idiot Don Quixote, and he believes a windmill is, is an enemy and he's going to charge it and, and defeat it as a valiant knight, right? So that's right. The term tilting at windmills. Now, initially it meant attacking imaginary enemies, but the term is actually expanded to mean uh, fighting unwinnable battles, which describes mm. James Holden. And what's great about Holden, like Captain America, and why I'm learning to love these characters, is they are self-aware about being irrational idiots but idealistic in fighting what seem like unwinnable battles because they don't know what else to do and that's why people follow captain america and that's why people follow holden right i mean absolutely and and that's why i mean look (laughs) the bottom line is holden you have way more time in the book to 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 dimensionalize him they play him a little bit more straight with uh, with steven straight as holden in the show although they really let him flex with Miller and having to keep the crew together in season four, which is another reason I love it is Holden finally becomes dimensional in the book. He's way more like uh, Chris Evans of Captain America, where you're going, there's no way I'm going to like this character. And you fall in love with him almost immediately because of how honest and self-aware he is about what's going on with his hopeless idealism. Right? So, yes. So anyways, guys, so they named the ship, he names the ship, the Rosinante, which is Don Quixote's ship. Cause he's aware that he's tilting at windmills and fighting what seem to be unwinnable battles. Um, and, uh, one of the themes of the expanse, dude, like these other humanistic properties, I think we can agree is we need to fight the good fight, even if it seems hopeless and it might actually be hopeless, you know, and we might not make it through all of these things, but we still have to fight the good fight, and no matter what. I mean, the Torah says it. I mean, you know, all the all the smart religions and ethics say this exact thing, and that's what the Rosinante crew is doing. I think, yeah, I think my favorite, the character I relate most with is probably Holden. Um, if I had to be somebody, I would probably be Holden. Um, but I probably like, I probably like Amos the most. He makes me laugh the most. His dimensionality has grown on me. Um, so I, I really enjoy the makeup of the Rosinante. Um, you know, I really like Alex and, um, Naomi and I really like Miller. I mean, Miller was a lot of fun. Um, Christian is great. Um, but I think if I had to pick one character, that's my favorite. I'd say it's Amos. So, uh, guys in the books, this is the thing I'm totally stealing in my own sci-fi book that I'm writing which I'm, I can't believe more writers don't do deets is each chapter is named after the character whose perspective it's from. Yeah. But, makes it, that's, that's, that's a great narrative style. If you can pull that off and actually yeah. have distinctive voices, that's yep. one of the, my favorite writing styles. If you're but, able to do that. but until book five, again, this is the book one through four. And then the, the, the sort of jump to a different level in books five through eight until book five, you have Holden and then perspective of, a bunch of other characters, including Fred Johnson, who's the head of the OPA, Christian Avrasalala, obviously, Bobby's perspective, you get um, the Martian Marine, but not in book five, dude. Book five is the one and only book where every single chapter is from one of the four Rosinante crew members, and they're split up doing personal life missions until shit hits the fan, and they it's equal. So every... So, like... It's like Holden, Naomi, uh, uh, Alex, uh, Amos, 
then Alex, then Amos, then Naomi, then Holden, then Alex, if that makes sense. It's the one and only book in the eight that, that they do that. And that's when we really get to know, especially because we get Naomi pretty good through Holden. We really get into Alex's head, but especially Amos's head. And just to tease it, there's a character who's been in the show, who's coming back, who you really don't think is coming back, whose relationship with Amos you're not going to see coming and is going to bring him to even another level of complexity and awesomeness. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so, if if you love Amos, I, I think we're, we're they're gonna they're gonna step it up like they do in books five and six with Amos, where we get a lot from his perspective. So, and this isn't a spoiler because at the very beginning of book five, the Rosanazis uh, in the dock for an extended period, and Alex goes back to Mars to try and mend fences and and reconnect where he's from, and Amos goes back to Earth, um, and Naomi goes to the belt and that's all i'll say so everyone goes to their own sort of origins to try and dig up the ghosts of their past to, to varying degrees of, of success and uh insanity um and so amos goes back to earth and some relationships you, you're not going to expect so that's pretty cool okay um a favorite sort of secondary character who's been in more than one season mm-hmm. i Let's see. That's a good question. Who do I like? Um, I mean, definitely Bobby Draper, but that's too easy. Um, yeah. The, the thing is, Draper's the sixth because, again, books five through eight, she's an equal member of the Rosinante. So yeah. that's you can tell that's where it's headed. I like... Um, I don't know that I like him, but, um, you know, Mao is a great character. Um, you know, the evil scientist. Um Jules Pierre Mount you know, and his daughter yeah, Clarissa, who tries to kill Holden. Yeah, so I I like he's a good character. I hope we get more of him, even though he's supposed to be in jail. Like I hope that's not all of his story. Okay, uh, minor spoiler: you're not getting more of him. You are getting more of Clarissa. Yeah, that that makes sense based on where she's at, and she had a, a redemption arc. So, and it's hard not to realize. Or as Amos, I might as well just say it. She's the one because Amos calls her Peaches, and they have a connection. Uh, okay. I really like, uh, the two belters. Um, I forget Ashford and what's her name? Uh, yeah, the young, okay. So Kara G who's this like stunning androgynous young actress is a young Canadian actress. She's part like Eskimo first nation E, but she's won a ton of awards already on like, um, theater and television and film in Canada. So she's a huge up and comer. Like, uh, the woman who plays Yennefer on, on The Witcher, they somehow s- stole this young actress and, like I said, gave Drummer a much, much, much bigger and Drummer. more central role. Yeah. Um, because Kara G is amazing. But the weird father daughter thing with her and David Strathairn's character, Ashford, is great, 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 great. Yeah, it's father-daughter until the end when they kind of almost kiss. But, you know, I mean, whatever. That's cool. I mean... Well, the Belters are different. Oh, by the way, it's polyamorous, guys, in the future. Uh, Holden has eight parents. Um, one of the other major Belter characters who they I don't think they brought up in the show, Michio Pa, has th- two wives and a husband. Um, so the Marsh... the Not the Martian so much, but some Earthers and a lot of Belters have polyamorous relationships. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that would be my answer. I would say it's it's it, it, not Jewel, John Peel, Mayor, or whatever the fuck. Um, it would be those two belters. It'd be uh, um, 
Now it's not a belter. Drummer, an evil drummer in Ashford. Yeah, oh, I, drummer in Ashford yeah. are my favorite secondary characters. Mm-hmm. They were great. They're great. Favorite season or arc? If it's like less than or more than a season. Mm, it's my favorite arc. Or it could even be like an extended series of relationships plot-wise, you know, if you know what I'm I mean, saying. I think the best arc is, for me, my favorite arc is, you know, what Miller's back, what the fuck, and what it, what is this proto-molecule? Like, as I've said, what I like about the show is that it's humans and human politics, but then now the introduction of the intergalactic, that's that's my favorite wrinkle or arc to the story that we still don't know yet so that's my favorite another great writing thing that they do and they bring in this show um which mirrors um uh oh god what 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 superhero character am i thinking of well it sort of mirrors luke and anakin being kind of dumb with with holden is (laughs) christian and miller and other people are constantly calling holden dumb and ruining everything but nothing good and would happen without him but you know he seems like a mimbo on the surface and christian just needs someone to take her anger out on all the time it's it's even better in the book she's because he's constantly like creating intergalactic policy by accident you know what i mean and forming alliances with pirates and and christian just loses her mind because she wants control over everything well someone's got to do it i mean yeah, I wouldn't say he's dumb. He seems like a very... No, no, he's not. But I'm saying it's funny that they make fun of him, like Miller does too, for being for being dumb. But it's 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 not that he's dumb. It's that he's kind he's of... He's righteous. He's righteous, but he's also naive. And that's part of the arc that he's already taking in the show, but he takes in the books, where he realizes maybe telling the public everything I know immediately is not always the best solution. I would make a lot of the same decisions. No, no, I'm saying you and I ideologically are on board with tell the public everything immediately, but especially in that future scenario with intergalactic war, you know, maybe after he started two wars and almost started a third, he's starting to reconsider that strategy a tiny bit. Maybe he's learning how to be political, right? Right. He's always Captain America, though, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um... Favorite, just like nerdy sci-fi thing, to the Rosinante ship. Um, or I think the coolest thing is how realistic the burn is with the juice and the chairs and everything. They really, yeah, that is cool. I yeah. like that. That part was that is cool. I I agree. That's super cool. Um, and I think that that people would be different in different gravities. I like that when they went to that different planet. Like all of a sudden, like shit went wrong. Like I I'm glad. Like that you know it's. Why would you think you could just go to another planet and survive there? I'm glad that there was some drama and like that it was a bacteria infection was cool. Like I, I like that. It's the weakest of the books, but it, arguably the best of the series, which is just a credit to the showrunners, the actors, the directors, and Amazon. It's only the weakest of the books because it's an isolated story. It's the only book mm. that's sort of a standalone. But because mm. they work in, uh, uh, like Christian and Bobby are not in that book at all drummer and ashford are not in that book at all but they but they work in stuff from the book right before and the book right after to start setting up marco and the big battle or whatever and so yeah. and so that 
let me let me just put it this way: of all the seasons, the, the the one season that's clearly better than the book is season four, and that is an awesome place to be in when that's your most recent season. And Amazon just released it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Final question: uh, What is one without me? I'm not going to say yes or no. Something in that, that I haven't partially spoiled or said. A prediction for the final season based on what you've seen that I haven't already said, spoiled, or hinted at? I think that Marco has developed a relationship with a non-human species as an ally. And I think that Marco and some non-humans will will get more power and kind of fuck up the power dynamic. Related question. Do you see any of the main characters... Include the big six, but also, you know, I guess Ashford got, got shot by Marco. Spoiler alert. Um, drummer. Do you see any of the main good guy or mostly good guy characters turning or going bad in the final season? I mean, I don't know what bad is at this point, you know? Like, I'm not sure what They're bad going is. going against, you know, Captain America. So, do, so, you would say Holden's allies going against Holden. Um, okay, so really quickly. So the, the the living guys who are mostly on the good guys right now are Holden, Kamal, Naomi Nagata, Amos, Avasarala, Avasarala Draper, Drummer, uh, maybe Miller, maybe not. I'm not going to say anything about that. Um, uh, Fred Johnson of the OPA, who's mostly a good guy. Cuddy from The Wire. Cuddy. Um, Who's great? He he plays it great. He's Fred, he he's does. totally Fred Johnson from the book. It's awesome. Cool. I like when they get those things right. Um, yeah. And any of them? Do you see any of them going bad? <sighs> I mean, if anybody's going to be Naomi, because her child is involved. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's a big issue. If we've learned nothing from Star Wars, when we have um child parent dynamics that can really fuck some shit up so yeah my final thought is i'm not gonna respond to that that relationship's important my final thought is the teasing and exposition that happens in about two and a half minutes about, about naomi marco and and philip filipito as they call him is a masterwork in concise smart t- television writing I agree. Many shows will spend many episodes and seasons trying to establish what they establish in about two seconds. I agree. And that's how I feel about Vilgefortz and The Witcher, which is why I kept ruining it because it was so obvious to me. And then I realized I should probably pull back. Yeah, there's no way he, that guy was a good guy. Yeah. Whatever like, good guys are. You're like, where did this great-looking, charismatic guy come from who all of a sudden wants to help them, who they've never met before, whose name is Vilgefortz and who is way... Way, way. Look, Henry Cavill's a good guy, but the actor who plays Vilgefortz is unbelievably stunningly good looking. You're going, okay, they can't all be good guys. <laughs> nope. No, sir. All right, dude. Well, I'm thrilled to talk with you offline more about The Expanse. Um, would you be interested if I do a season four commentary and guesting on an episode? Sure. Okay. Think about it. Yeah. And you let me know which one or yeah, sure. Or I can do my ninth Rogue One commentary, and you can come on from that. <laughs> or yeah, we could do a with... Rebels. We could do, like, the Soka World Between Worlds or something like that. Okay. 
Um, any other quick recommendations and then final musical notes, so to speak, sure. and I'll let you go. Sure. Um, I'm sure most of your listeners, by the time they hear this, will have seen Tiger King. It is spectacular, um, horrendous, um, incredible watching. Um, so God bless us all. I thought that I love Watchmen, the graphic novel. I mean, I can't say enough about that piece of fiction. And I was pessimistic about the show. I didn't like it to begin with. And then I think it's fantastic. I think they did a Poor Zack Snyder. Job. Poor Zack Snyder. First of all, first Batman v Superman is a disaster. And then his daughter kills herself. He has to leave the Justice League. The Justice League is a disaster. And then his one movie that most people think is pretty good, The Watchmen, is completely upstaged by the HBO show, which even people like my dad, who normally has no interest in that stuff, absolutely loves to death. Poor Zack Snyder. I feel terrible for him. It's fantastic. And for people who read the graphic novel, like it's, it's wonderful. It's and Alan Moore wonderful. hates it the same way he hates everything like V for Vendetta. They make well, he's just... Alan. He's Alan Moore. I mean, Alan Moore has a right to hate it. Like, I mean, I'm sure if I created the Watchmen, I would hate anybody touching it. So I understand. Um, so yeah. Well, um, it, 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 look, he's an outright borderline conservative, and they turn all of his stuff into liberal st- stuff. And so you know, I, I can almost understand it in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, he is. I, I understand it too, um, but I highly recommend that show. Yep, it's gonna um, win all. It's gonna win all the awards, novel, no matter what you do. Yep. Um, I do. I I now Westworld was something I didn't gravitate towards initially. I saw the original movie, which Robots, maybe you can get on Amazon. Males living out the fantasies. Except then it, it, turn, it gets turned on its head, and it gets really. It's gonna. It's. I've only seen the first two episodes of this season, which is all that's been out. It's really starting to get turned on its head. Jesse Pinkman comes in. He's really good. So I've just seen it before. It's called ghost in the shell and blade runner. I mean, that's my issue. Um, I don't agree with you. I think it's more complicated than that. And have you seen three, all the ghost in the shell movies and television shows and mangas? I haven't seen all of ghost in the shell, but I think that you may be, I, I, I would, I blade would venture to guess up. that Westworld Season three is starting to really branch out and it has a very nice twist that I'm like, Ooh, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, so I yeah, just think HBO likes titillating nihilism. I'm not into it. Sorry. No, Hey, you, I'm, I'm making, I'm commenting to the audience. You can yeah. not like it. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Music wise. Yeah. So album will be sunset, sun arising. It will be, available by mid-may um if not for that in some formats my website is www.bonesyardallonword.org there's even a cool little music video who uh, mr evan lanham did a great job on that all right and and thank you to everyone out there and thank you mr bizzle wash your hands congratulations on five years and just be nice to one another please but also be nice to yourselves guys i mean Uh, again right i mean the first step of being nice to others this is like the getting rid of hate thing is to not hate yourself be nice to yourself be nice to yourself guys whatever you've done i mean unless you murdered people but according to the expanse you can even come back from that um 
whatever you think you've done, it's probably not as bad as you think. And beating yourself up is only going to keep keep you worse. And so again, please, there's hotlines for this. But if you can find someone in your life, a professor, a teacher, I, dude, my high school, I had high school teachers who were like psychological advisors who were better than any shrinks that I tried to say. Like my English teach and history teachers in high school, like literally anybody that you guys like and trust, you'd be surprised how much the, the old, older, wiser people would like to talk to you about stuff. You don't have to be alone, and I'm available. So, thank you, Mr. Bizzle. So, I want to thank Adam Dietz again. More five-year anniversary coming along, Bizzlers. Really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, may the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.